When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Hello once again and welcome back to the Apostle Hour. I'm your host, Chester Ermine. And what, at this time of year, could this episode possibly be about except for... Halloween. Yes, the devil's birthday, Halloween. A lot of you out there seem to think that Halloween is a time for children to have fun and nothing to do with anything ancient or wicked. Well, I'm here to inform you that you couldn't be wronger. Halloween is an awful, despicable, and utterly satanic holiday. Hell-a-day, as I like to think of it. That's right, hell-a-day. Halloween has been foisted off on the children of America. What happened to the organ? You weren't done yet? I uh, No, I, I wasn't done speaking. Hockey-dockey! Um, <clears throat> anyway, Halloween is a truly evil holiday, as evidenced by our obsession with death and the truly demonic and the dark side of entertainment and life. People are constantly watching horror movies, and they're constantly looking at ghosts. Spiritualism is definitely on the rise around here, and it's become Satan's playground. And as a telling of the end times, you can see how it's become one of the most popular, if not the most popular holiday in America right now. I've seen Halloween cards, I've seen Halloween stickers. It's gone far beyond just the simple candy giving out and uh, trick-or-treating and all of the sort of things associated with the devil's holiday. Now further, we ha- we have a special guest with... All right, that's enough, thank you. Are you finished now? Yes, yes. Now I can go? Yes, you can go. Okay, I go now. Now, I have a special guest in the studio. You want me to leave on the synthesizer so I can play the outro? Yeah, yes, that's fine. Fine, you can leave leave the synthesizer on. Okay, you just call me when you need me to play the outro. I'll have my cell phone on. Yeah, very, very nice. Play yeah. the same song. Listen. Yeah, yeah, that 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 that's lovely. Yes, that's very nice. Yes. What 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 the workers way? Leonard, will you please let me start the show? Okay, I'll be outside the lobby having a cafe. I'll let you call me when you need me. Bye. <clears throat> anyway, joining me in the studio today is the head of the Women's Auxiliary for Agape Home Invasion Ministries, Mrs. Loretta Sprawl. Hello. Now, you have a particular bone to pick with Halloween, don't you, Mrs. Sprawl? Yes, I used to indulge the little children on Halloween mm. back when I was an unwashed heathen. Mm. And I would be very happy to decorate my home and 
ungodly visages of monsters and ghosts, mm. which we all know are demons, don't you know? Yes, yes. And, and I would give out candy to the children as they would come to my house. Mm. But I couldn't help but notice, after I had found the Lord, yeah, that yes. the ghosts and goblin costumes and the, the little innocent princesses and hoobos that were <laughs> coming to my door were replaced by all manner of beasts and creatures and monsters and skeletons walking dead. It was terrible and awful, and I could mm. not help but feel the presence of the Archfiend. Ah, yes. The I did a little bit of studying, and I discovered that the yes, yes. festival, mm-hmm. such as it is, of Halloween actually came from the ancient Celts. Mm. Irish, I believe, and I'm not a bit surprised by that, I'll tell you, Roman Catholics. Mm-hmm. Now, back then, the Catholics were called Druids, and they used to worship an ancient god named Samhain. Really? Now, the Druids would make lanterns out of pumpkins that they magically transported from America, which hadn't been discovered at the time. And they would go around from house to house, and they would ask for human sacrifices from the house. That was the, the treat that they asked for, and if they didn't get it, they performed a trick involving something bad like burning down their house or something. I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but in any event, hundreds of thousands of people were sacrificed to Sam Hain Mm. every single year. It was a terrible, bloody tragedy. Very dark and demonic. Yes, very dark and very satanic, and I decided that I was going to do something about it, so starting... Two years ago, I decided that there would be no more Halloween. As I was head of my local chapter of my neighborhood association, I held a meeting at our cul-de-sac, and I said, this year, no Halloween. No longer are we going to participate in this Irish, Roman, Catholic, pagan festival nonsense praise, and praise, that there would be amen. no no longer would it be tolerated any sort of ghost decorations and amen. so on and so forth this sort of evil satan would depart from our neighborhood once and for all Pray, praise the lord you were doing god's work yes indeed and i knew i was doing the lord's work there pastor because that very year for halloween my house was vandalized really the children vandalized no you? actually i think this was by their parents oh oh i see well that just goes to show you doesn't it it certainly does pastor But that year, after I was cleaning up all the shaving cream eggs and toilet paper from the front of my property and around my house, the Lord touched me with a brilliant idea, and I thought that perhaps the draconian approach wouldn't work. You know, you Mm. can attract more flies with sugar uh, than you can with milk or Um, vinegar. Something, uh, honey. Well, in uh, any event, well, uh, I decided that I would hold my own special harvest festival for the Lord Party. Very good. And what exactly does that entail there, Mrs. Sprawl? Well, I invite all of the neighborhood children over to my house where I pass out gospel tracts. I give out Jesus-shaped candies, I little little crosses, and I show the Passion of the Christ. There's a horror film for you that's got plenty of the blood and guts, but only with a message this time. It's the sort of thing that you can take your children to and have have a wonderful time of fellowship, and it's free from all those dark, dismal, horrible images and ghosts and monsters and demons that we associated with the devil's holiday. And you've done that for two years now. Yes, How has that gone? Well, every year the little bastards show up and egg my house again. Well, they're probably Catholic. We'll be right back Mm, after this. Probably is. You want to play the outro now? No! Okie dokie, October 26, 2005. You're experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by.
Welcome back to the program. This is indeed Technical Difficulties, and I am your host, Kyan Chris Conroy, for my weekly comedy podcast. Comedy show. I think I'm, like I said, I don't know if I said that last week. I'm going to try to avoid the whole podcast. It's a show. I don't know what that means, podcast. I really don't. It's just a word. It'll change. But the content will never change. Content is king around here. And it is the emperor of night. The emperor of Halloween. This month, well, this week, this month is the month of Halloween. And uh, I don't my show, I do my show on, uh, you know, on every Thursday and Halloween falls on a Monday. And since I don't actually stick to a schedule, I probably could have done the show anytime I wanted to. But I don't care. I'm going to do it on Thursday like you're all used to. And I'm not going to do anything special for Monday. I'm going to do stuff that's special for me, but not for you. Sorry. <laughs> Too bad. Um, I'm going to be doing uh, some Halloween theme type stuff, sort of tangentially and there's something very special at the end of the show once all the sketches end and the uh and the outro music plays out the outro music Uh, once the outro music plays out at the end you'll uh you'll uh hear something very special i'm going to read something to you so please stick around for that if you'd like a little extra treat it's a bit long but uh there's an extra i don't know 11 12 minutes on the end of the tech at the end of the show but uh, i'm already wasting enough time as is with this intro what am i doing this for let's go shall we This week's episode of Technical Difficulties is brought to you by Agape Home Invasion Ministries, Hell House. This year, Pastor Ermine and the whole gang over at Agape Home Invasion Ministries would like you to experience a world in the end times. Famine, plague, death, destruction, war, perversion, it's all here. And when you're done watching CNN, come on down to the Hell House, where a bunch of self-important religious fanatical freaks will attempt to scare you into converting their religion with their quaint sideshow. That's Agape Home Invasion Ministries Hell House, because Jesus loves cheap theatrics, but he loves cheap special effects even more. Well, good morning, John. Good morning, Lavinia. I couldn't help but notice that you're somehow different lately, John. Well, whatever do you mean, Lavinia? Well, you just seem changed. More young, more confident. Oh, you've noticed, have you? Did you get a raise at work? Nope. Perhaps you've got a new hairpiece, or maybe a weave, Mm-mm. or maybe you've got a new bed and a good night's sleep. Nuh-uh. Or perhaps it's that noticeably large bulge in the front of your trousers. Ah, you've spotted it, have you, Lavinia? I'm taking new Stiffenex. Stiffenex? What might that be? Stiffenex is the new medicine that's over the counter for men. It gives them large natural erections. Well, it certainly is a far cry from last week when you were having those large unnatural erections. One week earlier. <laughs> Good God in heaven, what have you got down your pants? It's my penis! Yes, it's Stiffenex, the over-the-counter medicine for erectile dysfunction. Take only as directed by a doctor or the director of a porn film. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Known. I'm your host, Kevin Stark. EVP, Electronic Voice Phenomena. Parapsychologists and ghost hunters believe that the voices of those departed can be caught on electronic media, magnetic tape, digital recorders, videotape, etc. With me in the studio is Yvonne Allison, a noted parapsychologist and ghost hunter, and he purports to have one of these recordings with him tonight. Isn't that true? Yes, Kevin, it's absolutely true. One of my neighbors had purchased a house in a local community, and they had heard the house was haunted. They had me go in and investigate, knowing that I was psychic. And I made a recording of my adventures inside the house where I saw a lone figure, and I believe I have recorded the voice of that departed soul on my eye river. Would you like to hear it? Yes, that's why we brought you on the program. Oh, good. Now, 
In this portion of the tape, I'm making my way down to the stairs into the basement when I spotted a figure in the shadow in the darkness uh, towards the back of the house. The house had a very, very, it was very icy cold and had a very much a, a presence of, of something. There was a presence in the house. And uh, here's where you'll hear me uh, conversing with the ghost. And if you listen carefully, you will be able to hear the voice of the departed soul. All right, let's roll that recording. All right. I'm inside the house now. I can definitely feel a presence in here. This house hasn't been lived in for many years. I, I'm not sure exactly what. There's a lot of debris and dust. I'm going to make my way towards the basement, which is supposedly the main source of haunting. I'm making my way down. It's very, very, very icy cold. And I... Oh, my. There's... There appears to be a figure... It's a figure standing at the back of the basement. You can see him just just towards the bottom of the stairs. I can make him out as a man in coveralls. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I can hear you. Who are you? I'm uh, Steve. Uh, Why are you in this place? I'm the electrician. I got to do the wiring and um, wiring up the you house. You can't be here. You have to move on. What? Do you realize what's happened? You're departed. What? what? I, I don't... I'm trying no, to... No, you what? have to go on. I don't... I know you, what you think you see. I... What I think I... But what I, you're trapped here. Don't don't you see that? No, I gotta... Look, <sighs> I gotta finish the wiring he, he, on the he house. He seems to be looking at me. I'm... I'm, I'm not sure, but... But um, I, I... I have to... I'm going to try and reason with him. Can you move on from here? Are you supposed to be here or something? Are you the inspector? Because I'm... I'm... I'm not sure. He's, he's not moving I'm on. I'm supposed to... I'm going to have to tell the tenants of the house uh, about this. Uh. And, uh... That's, um... That's it, is it? As you can clearly hear from that, Kevin, the, the ghost in question was a very confused man. Uh, mm. he, he wouldn't leave. Uh, we, I wasn't sure what exactly happened there, but I, I did some checking um. uh, from the tenants of the house, the ones who had just, pre, uh, just purchased it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they told me that there was a man who worked on the house. He was an electrician. Yes. He was installing wiring when he was electrocuted in the basement. Mm-hmm. And uh, he died. And clearly, he doesn't know to leave the house just yet. Well, we did a little checking of our own, and we did verify your uh, facts. Really? There was, in fact, an electrician there. His name was yes. Steve Olson. Steve Olson. Um, Steve was electrocuted while working on the basement of the house. You see. Uh, you see. However, he didn't die. Um, uh, we have him here. Uh, isn't that right, uh, Steve? Uh, it's uh, absolutely right, dear Kevin. Oh my, oh, my God. The Kevin, Kevin, the ghost has actually followed me into the studio. I can uh, see him. I can yeah. see him. He's um, just come into the room, and he's no, sitting right um, across from you. No. It's amazing. No, Yvonne. no, I'm, I'm really here, okay? I Listen, I, I remember you from that day. I was I, in the basement at the time. I, and was uh, my recording? Yeah. I have to record this. Now, now listen to me. You you have to uh, stop following me and move on um, um, from this plane. No, no. Do you understand? No, you don't understand. Uh, I, I was working in the basement when you were over at the house that time. I and, uh, I, yeah, I was uh, I was there. I do remember I you. Could, could you tell uh, us exactly what happened? Uh, you, you were electrocuted? Well, yeah, but I just went to the emergency room and then they sent me home. Really? Yeah. There was nothing wrong with it. I don't know uh, so it was just kind of a cursory me, sort of thing, I, I you know, just no permanent this, injuries. This or oh anything no, like no, that. nothing like that. But I got a big scare though. Yeah, My heart was really just, speeded up, you know, and I was a little numb yeah, and tingly yeah, for a bit there. But I was fine. Still, I was back at work the next day. No, no big deal. Well, thank you for clearing that up for us, Steve. Yeah. Steve, is that your name? 
Is that your name, Steve? Uh, yeah. That that's uh, that's Steve, me, Steve. You have to you have to know you have departed this place. You cannot yeah. stay uh, here. You cannot stay here. Do you understand me? You have to move on. Yeah, that's true. That's I do got to get going back to work I now. So uh, thanks for having me on your show and all that. Oh, it was really fun. You're to welcome. Be. I've never been on it's, the radio before. Oh, really? Oh, no, well, that's it's, uh, it's nice to have been having you uh, oh, there, Steve. And, uh, thanks a lot for dropping by. Uh, sure. See you around. Bye. Yeah, he's, he's leaving. He's finally figured it out, and he's departing this yes. place. I, Kevin, um, I only hope, I only hope that this unprecedented Yvonne. parapsychological event was picked up by y- the microphones. Yvonne. Here, um, I just I can only hope that you that future generations. Oh, shut up! Hello, my name is Leonard Velisniks, and I am psychic. Would you like to be psychic too? Then why don't you come over and join me at Leonard Velisniks Professional School of Keyboard Playing and Psychic Powers? If you doubt my abilities as a psychic, just listen to this phone call. Hello. My name is Larry, and I'm calling your psychic hotline. Hello, laddie. What can I do for you? I don't believe in any psychic powers, okay? You can't you can't hoodwink me with that. Then I shall give you a free sample, then, doubting laddie. Eh? Tell me, answer one question. Okay. What do you think about disco? Disco? Why, disco sucks. Disco sucks, you say? Well, person on the phone I have never met named laddie, I will use my psychic powers to hash out... That you are white, male, and heterosexual. Well, that's just downright spooky. So, come to my school of keyboard learning and psychic powers, and I will teach you to foster your mental gifts. Call me, Leonard Vizelsniks. That's Leonard Vizelsniks School of Psychic Powers and Keyboard Playing. Join up today. Excuse me, is this the Clinic for Ancient Cosmetic Wisdom? Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. I'm Dr. Bronstein. What can I do for you? You're a doctor? In a loosely defined, uh, non-medical, self-appointed sort of way. Yeah, not that that matters these days. What can I do for you, sir? Well, according to your ad in the back of the newspaper, the $15 you would give me the secret to looking 10 years younger. Absolutely true. I, Dr. Bronstein, will impart to you for a mere $15 a secret to shaving an entire decade off of your looks. I'm a little skeptical. Could you give me some proof? Sitting right before you, for I am not only the owner of this establishment, but I am also a client. Would it surprise you to know that I am 75 years of age? Really? Really? Absolutely. Mm, all right. I'm intrigued. I'll give it a shot. Here's $15. Thank you very much. Now, the doctor will impart the secret to looking 10 years younger. Are you ready? Have you prepared your mind? Lay it on me. How old are you, sir? I'm 37. Well, from now on, tell everybody you're 47. Hey, that's not a... No, that would work, wouldn't it? Absolutely guaranteed, as I said. Now, if you'll excuse me, Dr. Bronstein is going to take his consulting fee to Taco Bell for lunch. And that brings us to the end of our program. But not quite. It's not over yet. This week, as you know, is the final show before the ending of the holy month of Halloween. My personal favorite uh, of all of all of the year's holidays is Halloween, followed very closely by Christmas. And there's nothing, I'm not going to be the least bit cynical about that. I love Halloween and I love Christmas. They're two of my favorite holidays. So I thought I'd end this up, seeing that we're coming in on the end of Halloween here. And my show doesn't actually go on on Halloween. I suppose I could do it anyway, but yeah, I just figure, what the heck. It's Thursday, you guys are used to it by then. So I, I'm just going to finish off my show with a nice little Halloween uh, treat for you, in my opinion. 
And uh, next year, if I have my way, it's going to be a whole month of Halloween. It's going to sort of be a little advent countdown. But in any event, I thought I'd give you this little treat at the end of the show. You can stop listening now if you don't want to hear what I'm about to do, because I'm going to read something by someone else. I'm going to read you all a little story, and I hope you enjoy it very much. But uh, in any event, I've never done this before, and I've always wanted to try, and it's a favorite story of mine, so I hope you will all indulge me while you listen to a story by Saki called Zredni Vashtar. Conradin was ten years old, and the doctor had pronounced his professional opinion that the boy would not live another five years. The doctor was silky in a feat and counted for little, but his opinion was endorsed by Mrs. de Ropp, who counted for very nearly everything. Mrs. de Ropp was Conradin's cousin and guardian, and in his eyes she represented those three-fifths of the world that are necessary and disagreeable and real. The other two-fifths in perpetual antagonism to the foregoing were summed up in himself and his imagination. One of these days, Conradin supposed that he would succumb to the mastering pressure of wearisome necessary things, such as illness and coddling restrictions and drawn-out dullness. Without his imagination, which was rampant under the spur of such loneliness, he would have succumbed long ago. Mrs. de Ropp would never in her honestest moments have confessed to herself that she disliked Conradin, though she might have been dimly aware that thwarting him for his own good was a duty which she did not find particularly irksome. Conradin hated her with a desperate sincerity which he was perfectly able to mask. Such few pleasures as he could contrive for himself gained an added relish from the likelihood that they would be displeasing to his guardian, and from the realm of his imagination she was locked out, an unclean thing, which should find no entrance. In the dull, cheerless garden, overlooked by so many windows that were ready to open with a message not to do this or that, or a reminder that medicines would do, he found little attraction. The few fruit trees that it contained were set jealously apart from his plucking. As though they were rare specimens of their kind blooming in an arid waste, it would have probably been difficult to find a market gardener who would have offered ten shillings for their entire yearly produce. In a forgotten corner, however, almost hidden behind a dismal shrubbery, was a disused tool shed of respectable proportions, and within its walls, Conradin found a haven, something that took on the varying aspects of a playroom and a cathedral. He had peopled it with a legion of familiar phantoms, evoked partly from fragments of history and partly from his own brain, but it also boasted two inmates of flesh and blood. In one corner lived a ravage-plumaged Houdan hen, on which the boy lavished an affection that had scarcely another outlet. Farther back in the gloom stood a large hutch divided into two compartments, one of which was fronted with close iron bars. This was the abode of a large polecat ferret, which a friendly butcher boy had once smuggled cage and all into its present quarters, in exchange for a long-secreted hoard of small silver. Conradin was dreadfully afraid of the lithe, sharp-fanged beast, but it was his most treasured possession. Its very presence in the tool-shed was a secret and fearful joy to be kept scrupulously from the knowledge of the woman as he privately dubbed his cousin. And one day, out of heaven knows what material, he spun the beast a wonderful name. And from that moment it grew into a god and a religion. The woman indulged in religion once a week at a church nearby, and took Conradin with her, but to him church service was an alien rite in the house of Rimon. Every Thursday in the dim and musty silence of the tool shed he worshipped with mystic and elaborate ceremonial before the wooden hutch where dwelt Zredni Vashtar the great ferret. 
Red flowers in their season and scarlet berries in the winter time were offered at his shrine, for he was a god who laid some special stress on the fierce, impatient side of things, as opposed to the woman's religion, which, as far as Conradin could observe, went to great lengths in the contrary fashion. And on great festivals, powdered nutmeg was strewn in front of the hutch, an important feature of the offering being that the nutmeg had to be stolen. These festivals were of a regular occurrence, and were chiefly appointed to celebrate some passing event. On one occasion, when Mrs. Durop suffered an acute toothache for three days, Conradin kept up the festival during the entire three days, and almost succeeded in persuading himself that Dredni Fashtar was personally responsible for the toothache. If the malady had lasted for another day, the supply of nutmeg would have given out. The Houdan hen was never drawn into the cult of Dredni Vashtar. Conradin had long ago settled that she was an Anabaptist, he did not pretend to have the remotest knowledge as to what an Anabaptist was, but he privately hoped that it was dashing and not very respectable. Mrs. Durop was the ground plan on which he based and detested all respectability. After a while, Conradin's absorption in the tool shed began to attract the notice of his guardian. It is not good for him to be pottering down there in all weathers, she promptly decided, and at breakfast one morning she announced that the Houdan hen had been sold and taken away overnight. With her short-sighted eyes, she peered at Conradin, waiting for an outbreak of rage and sorrow, which she was ready to rebuke with a flow of excellent precepts and reasoning. But Conradin said nothing. There was nothing to be said. Something perhaps in his white, set face gave her a momentary qualm. For at tea that afternoon there was toast on the table, a delicacy which she usually banned on the ground that it was bad for him, and also because the making of it gave trouble a deadly offense in the middle-class feminine eye. "'I thought you liked toast!' she exclaimed with an injured air, observing that he did not touch it. "'Sometimes,' said Conradin. In the shed that evening there was an innovation in the worship of the hutch god. Conradin had been wont to chant his praises. Tonight he asked a boon. "'Do one thing for me, Shredni Vashtar.' The thing was not specified, as Redni Vashtar was a god, he must be supposed to know, and choking back a sob as he looked at the other empty corner, Conradin went back to the world he so hated. And every night in the welcome darkness of his bedroom, and every evening in the dusk of the tool shed, Conradin's bitter litany went up. Do one thing for me, Redni Vashtar. Mrs. Durop noticed the visits to the shed did not cease, and one day she made a further journey of inspection. "'What are you keeping in that locked hutch?' she asked. "'I believe it's guinea pigs. I shall have them all cleared away.' Conradin shut tight his lips, but the woman ransacked his bedroom till she found the carefully hidden key, and forthwith marched down to the shed to complete her discovery. It was a cold afternoon, and Conradin had been bidden to keep to the house. From the furthest window of the dining room, the door of the shed could be seen beyond the corner of the shrubbery and there Conradin stationed himself. He saw the woman enter, and then he imagined her opening the door of the sacred hutch and peering down with her short-sighted eyes into the thick straw bed where his god lay hidden. Perhaps she would prod at the straw in her clumsy impatience, and Conradin fervently breathed his prayer for the last time, but he knew as he prayed that he did not believe. He knew that the woman would come out presently with that pursed smile he loathed so well in her face, and that in an hour or two the gardener would carry away his wonderful god, a god no longer. A simple brown ferret in a hutch. And he knew that the woman would triumph always as she had triumphed now, and that he would grow ever more sickly under her pestering and domineering and superior wisdom till one day nothing would matter, nothing much more, and the doctor would be proved right. 
and in the sting and misery of his defeat, he began to chant loudly and defiantly the hymn of his threatened idol. Dredni Vashto went forth. His thoughts were red thoughts and his teeth were white. His enemy called for peace, but he brought them death. Dredni Vashto the Beautiful. Dredni Vashto went forth. His thoughts were red thoughts and his teeth were white. His enemies called for peace, but he brought them death. Dredni Vashto the Beautiful. Dredni Vashto went forth. His thoughts were red thoughts and his teeth were white. His enemy called for peace, but he brought them death. Dredni Vashto the Beautiful. And then of a sudden, he stopped his chanting and drew closer to the window pane. The door of the shed still stood ajar as it had been left, and the minutes were slipping by. They were long minutes, but they slipped by nevertheless. He watched the starlings running and flying in little parties across the lawn. He counted them over and over again with one eye always on that swinging door. A sour-faced maid came in to lay table for tea, and still Conradin stood and waited and watched. Hope had crept by inches into his heart, and now a look of triumph began to blaze in his eyes that had only known the wistful patience of defeat. Under his breath, with a furtive exultation, he began once again, the pain of victory and devastation. Zredni Vashtar went forth. His thoughts were red thoughts. His teeth were white. His enemies called for peace, but he brought them death. Zredni Vashtar, the beautiful... And presently his eyes were rewarded. Out through that doorway came a long, low, yellow and brown beast, with eyes ablink in the waning daylight, and dark wet stains around the fur of jaws and throat. Conradin dropped on his knees. The great polecat ferret made its way down to a small brook at the foot of the garden, drank for a moment, then crossed a little plank bridge and was lost to sight in the bushes. Such was the passing of Dredni Vashtar. "'Tea is ready,' said the sour-faced maid. "'Where is the mistress?' "'She went down to the shed some time ago,' said Conradin. And while the maid went to summon her mistress to tea, Conradin fished a toasting fork out of the sideboard drawer and proceeded to toast himself a piece of bread. And during the toasting of it and the buttering of it with much butter and the slow enjoyment of eating it, Conradin listened to the noises and silences which fell in quick spasms beyond the dining-room door. The loud, foolish screaming of the maid, the answering chorus of wondrous ejaculations from the kitchen region, the scuttering footsteps and hurried embassies for outside help, and then, after a lull, the scared sobbing and shuffling tread of those who bore a heavy burden into the house. "'Whoever will break it to the poor child? I couldn't for the life of me!' exclaimed a shrill voice. And while they debated the matter among themselves... Conradin made himself another piece of toast. That was Zredni Vashtar by Saki. If I take nothing else from Halloween every year, it's the following. Our culture, collectively, takes the things that we dread and fear, the things that are supposed to make us pause and worry about the end of life and celebrate them, make them into delightful phantoms, and create a pageantry of color where those creatures, monsters, ghosts... The things that we are supposed to fear become things that fill us with joy. That is what every culture that celebrates life and its passing have always gotten right. Never forget that. Happy Halloween! As always, I can be reached at techdiff at tcinternet.net. 
Uh, I strongly encourage that you go and check out our video cast. That's chansurfwipe.libsyn.com or Channel Surfing Wipeout if you're looking for it over at iTunes. And I always encourage you to go check out suegrandies.libsyn.com or Uncomfortable Questions, my wife's interview podcast where she asks the big questions of ordinary folks she knows. Very informative and very interesting podcast. And if you didn't know, I'm the first one on the list. If you go all the way down to the bottom, I'm the first person she interviewed. And uh, check it out. You hear some really cool ideas along the way there. And uh, I'll be back again next week with more goodness. And next week I have a very special um, beginning of a series of uh, little sort of audio documentaries that will introduce you to some of my influences that I've had in my comedy. So if you want to know where the ideas come from, you'll know starting next week. Take care and goodbye. You're listening to Friday Follies. Jokes, laughs, and guffaws to tickle your funny bone on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow morning on Mutual for Saturday Story Circle. Bring the kids, your coloring books, and crayons, and get the whole family into a great start to the day with audio cartoons. You can always subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or discover Saturday Story Circle in your favorite podcast players like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.